How many of you guys got on an airplane this summer? Number of us. What is it that they always tell you when you get on there about the oxygen mask that drops down if you have kids? Exactly. Put your own on first, then help the kids. Why they do that? Because if you're gasping for air and on the verge of death, you're no good to your children, right? You're you're not able to help them in any way, shape, or form. And I was thinking about that. That makes a lot of sense on a plane. It also makes sense spiritually for those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You know, if we find ourselves at a place where we're doubting God's love for us, maybe we're suffocating with guilt from some sin that we did in the past, maybe we're being buried by shame, we're frozen by it, we're really not going to be able to pass on God's love to anyone else until we settle that in our own hearts. Would you agree? How are you going to show his love to anyone else if you're not really sure that he loves you in the first place? And I wonder in a room like this, how many of us are there tonight? You know, some of us have trusted in Jesus, and so he washed away our sins, but still inside we wrestle with that deep down inside for whatever reason. I'm not sure God really loves me. What I want to say is something you see repeated in the little book of 1 John, and we're just going to look at this very briefly, is that true love for others comes from breathing in God's love for us. True love for others comes from breathing in God's love for us. And what I mean by that, you guys all know the breathing process. We inhale and then we exhale. I thought about this, you know, this idea of inhaling God's love and then exhaling it on others. Most of us usually don't like to be exhaled on because we've had too many bad experiences with that, like coffee breath. If you have kids, they're they're super honest about that. You never have to wonder if your breath stinks. If you got kids, they'll tell you. Trust me. (laughs) I remember one time when I was preaching, I was in the sound room at the back of the auditorium and this guy was cringing. I was just talking to him, and I could see it on his face, and I'm thinking, why is he, I said, what's wrong? And he said, man, your breath could peel the paint off a wall. <laughs> and I thought back the night before, I had enjoyed some really good garlic cloves in my dish at Olive Garden. Man, they were good, but <laughs> he didn't enjoy them. Most of us don't enjoy this process of being ex- exhaled on, but when I talk about exhaling God's love on others, I want you to imagine that that fresh breath of the person that brushes and flosses and then goes to the dentist who brushes and flosses them and then they go home and brush and floss again and put gum in their mouth, okay? Because when you exhale God's love on someone, it's very pleasing, all right? That's the, the picture I want us to go with as opposed to the other one. So what I'd like us to do, and I don't, this isn't some weird new agey thing. I just want us to Think about this inhaling and exhaling. If you would, there's two passages in 1 John where it talks about inhaling God's love. My words, you know, as I look at it. And then as a result of that, exhaling it on others. So first, I want to inhale in the first passage. If you would, let's do that with me. Just Okay, 1 John 3.16, Dallas. You got the slides there? 
This is how we know what love is. How many people wrestle with that question? What is true love? How do you know what love is? It tells us in 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I see three things in that little verse there. One is that true love finds its source in God. Because how do we know what love is? What are the first two words after that? Jesus Christ. God in flesh. Cher always said it's in his kiss. That's where it is, remember? But that may be true on a romantic level, but the Bible tells us <laughs> the ultimate place we go to to find out what true love is, is Jesus Christ. The second thing I see there is that true love moves. Or as DC Talk put it, band I grew up with, for those of you who are too young to remember DC Talk, they said love is a verb. It's an action word. It's something, what, what does it say Jesus Christ did? Laid down his life. It doesn't say Jesus Christ looked at the, the world and said, I love you, schnooky poo. That's okay as far as it goes. Those kind of words are, are good in a romantic relationship. But true love goes beyond words to action. We know what love is because Jesus Christ laid down his life. And the third thing I see is true love gives everything for another. You see those last two little words in there? Can you read those? For us. For us. Okay, you guys breathing that in? Are you guys enjoying that definition of true love? Soaking in it? Now let's breathe out. Practice with me. Okay. Look at the rest of that passage right after that. Right after that. It's no accident that this comes right after. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. As I read that, I want us to wrestle through a few questions as you think about breathing God's love out. What situations around your world, your workplace, your neighborhood, your home even, is God calling you to move in, to act, to do something? Maybe it's a situation you've known about for a while. Maybe it's a situation you've even been praying about. But deep down inside, you sense God's tug that, hey, love is more than talking. It's more than even praying. It's acting. What are those situations he's calling you to act in? And who is that person he's calling you to give it all for? We don't want to ask that question. That's a question. That's a, nobody wants to give it all. Naturally. That's a Holy Spirit thing, right? But, but who's he calling you to give it all for? All right, I'm going to say our main idea again. True love for others comes from breathing in God's love for us. So let's breathe in again. Go with me. All right, 1 John 4, 9. 
This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And again, I see three things in here, actually. Preachers seem to like three. I think there's something special about that number. Ken's laughing. You've had some messages with three points, haven't you? (laughs) Hey, the Trinity's got three people, right? Right. First thing I see in here, true love has an outward or sending focus. True love has an outward focus. Sometimes we mistake we get this idea of love as, hey, man, I enjoy this. What, what makes me happy? Oh, I love this relationship because it's all. Oh. No, true love has an outward sending aspect to it. It says God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God sent his only son to the cross. And Jesus, is, <coughs> excuse me, that's the dangers of meal week. <coughs> And then preaching. (laughs) Jesus said something interesting in John 17. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He said that of believers. So we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You could also say, for God, Jesus so loved the world, he gave his church. Because just as he was sent, we are sent. By nature, we are a sent people. We are not a people meant to sit in one place and expect them to come to us. We are to, to go, have that outward focus. Second thing I see here, true love brings life and hope into hopeless situations. You see where it says that we might live through him? You guys ever look at how the Bible describes us before we believe in Jesus? It's not pretty. Ephesians 2 says we're dead in our sins. Paul goes on to say we were without hope and without God in the world. But true love steps into that situation that is apparently hopeless and breathes life into it. Finally, true love is proactive what it says there at the end. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. That's talking about who did the loving first. And the answer is God did. Jesus did. Romans 5 eight. God showed His love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. True love is proactive. It doesn't wait for reciprocation from the other person. That's how true love is. Now I want us to breathe out one last time. Verse 11, right after it again. Dear friends, and it's plain right here, since God so loved us, in light of that love that we just read about, we also ought to love one another. I like verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, And his love is made complete in us. That last part of that verse where it says his love is made complete in us, it could also be translated his love is seen in us or made manifest in us. So the idea there is when we look at situations around the world or our neighborhood that are horrible or broken, 
we see children abused or, or people that are living relatively good lives hurt, and we say, where is God in all of this? Where, how is he showing his love to them? Why is he not stepping in there? And sometimes I can see God saying, the way I do that, the way my love is seen in this world today is through you. So instead of sitting in your church and sitting in your house saying, why didn't God do something about it? Go do something about it because you are God's body. You are the body of Christ. And that's the way, one of the primary ways God is seen in our world today. It's through his children. I like that. And then it goes on to say simply, we love because he first loved us. So I want us to think first about that sent aspect of true love. Who is it that you're sent to? And it may be around the world. But it may be right next door to you. It may be in the cubicle next to you at work. It may be at the restaurant you go to. Who is it that you're sent to that needs the love of God? When you think about your own world, what hopeless situations are around you? that you look at and say, man, there's no hope. Or that's how the person in the middle of it feels. I, I think about that guy that hung himself, 41. His wife left him. He was looking at the world saying, this is hopeless. He needed somebody to go. What hopeless situations can you breathe life into with God's help? And where do you need to be proactive with your love? Where do you need to stop waiting for the other person to reciprocate? Is it a spouse? Is it, is it a child? Is it that neighbor that's rough around the edges? Is it that coworker that doesn't do his share? I don't know. True love for others comes from breathing in God's love for us. I want to close by sharing these lyrics from a Matthew West song that came out a few years ago. The day that love made history. Because I think sometimes... Like I said at the beginning, it's not until we breathe in God's love for us, not just sometime in the distant past, but we live in that reality at every moment, knowing that he loves me. I am loved by God. And living my life in light of that fact, that's the only time we're able to pass it on. But sometimes we feel like this. I I heard these lyrics last night, and I had to share them. He says, it's been a bad day. You've been looking back. And all you can see is everything you wish you could take back. All your mistakes, a world of regrets, all those moments you'd rather forget. I know it's hard to believe. Let me refresh your memory. Yesterday is history, and history is miles away. So leave it all behind you, that it always reminds you of the day, the day that love made history. What day did love make history? The day that God showed us his love when his son, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us. Go back to that day and embrace his love. Breathe in his love for you. And I want to say there's two groups in this room, probably. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus and just need to remember, we've forgotten, we get busy. We start to doubt how awesome that love is. We need to breathe it in again and just remember It's not based on us. It never was. It's based on who he is. God is love. That doesn't change because God doesn't change. But there's another group that may have never, ever made that decision. You've heard about Jesus. 
You've heard what he did on the cross, that he took our sins on himself, died and rose again. But you never made that personal. And for you, the place to start breathing in God's love is to say, God, I believe in that sacrifice. I believe you sent your son for me. My sins were on him. The worst things I ever did or thought were on him. And I couldn't pay for it. He did. He took my place. He took my place. And I put my trust in that to be made right with you, God. I've tried a million other things, but tonight I'm trusting in that. That's how you begin to breathe in that love that God has for you. Before we share this, I wanted to share one more story with you guys. It was actually at Costco over a hot dog one day. I was meeting with a guy, and and he said something to me that made me think, and I've heard similar ideas before. He said, I can tell you love your wife because she's got this joy about her, and she's beautiful. And I thought a couple things. I said, yes, (laughs) she is beautiful. I'm with you. I'm nodding my head. And yes, I do love God's joy in her, but... Man, if that has anything to do with me loving her, that's all Jesus. Because as a husband, I am a work in progress. Let me tell you, she don't ask her. <laughs> but I, I had heard that idea before that you can tell a lot about a husband by the way his wife carries herself. You know, that joy and that confidence often is because she's got a husband that loves her and values her. And... I thought, man, if that's really true and the church really is the bride of Christ, oh my goodness, we ought to be the most confident, brimming, beautiful people out there because we look at what our husband did for us. He did it all. He, he gave his life. In Paul's words, I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, Thank you for that powerful reminder. Your body and blood poured out for us, broken for us. God, I pray that as we prepare to take our offering and sing one more song tonight, that we give with open hearts and open hands and sing with open hearts and open hands. Lord, as we gather together next week for our series in the book of Acts, I pray that you continue to open our eyes to what what you did in that early church and to realize we're part of that same church. You're not done. God, and as we think about baptism the week after that, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that loves Jesus but hasn't taken that step to let people know that you've laid that on their hearts. Maybe there's somebody here tonight that met Jesus for the first time. I don't know be cool to celebrate with them. But God, we give that to you and and we look forward to celebrating together more. Thank you for these friends and family sharing this time together over a meal. Jesus, thanks for loving us, showing us what true love is. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.